0: This podcast is presented by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Enjoy the presentation. Maybe a a way into uh, the reading would um, be to say something about the the title of, uh, of the new book, uh, kedging, which is uh, quite possibly a, a word that you 're not acquainted with. It, it certainly was uh, a word uh, that i wasn 't acquainted with when I was doing some uh, research for the uh, long poem uh, that concludes uh, the the book um, it 's a mix of uh, short poems, uh, three long poems, and a section of uh, of Swedish translations um, there's a very short poem at the beginning the first section that's called Kedging, and then the long poem, which is the last uh, extended piece in the book, is called Kedging in Time. And then there's an essay that follows that that's called Kedging in Kedging in Time. And there's a um, a, a paragraph uh, in, in that which... Um, uh, attempts to uh, explain what the procedure is. Uh, uh, a kedge anchor uh, is an anchor if you're in danger, if, if you're in low water, and especially if the tide is going out. And if you're in danger, I guess. Oops. And I guess this guy didn't make it um, because he's uh, he's clearly uh, stuck on the uh, the sand. Um, you throw your kedge anchor out, and it uh, it catches onto something solid, and um, you pull yourself um, uh, uh, forward and there 's a lot of textuality uh, intertextuality in the in the long poem and the the, the, the bits of um, uh, other uh, text uh, focus uh, the poem and function uh, like that something to catch the uh, the kedge anchor on. Uh, anyway, uh, I had to uh, to look it up when I found it in the Riddle of the Sands, which was one of my sources, and um, I say in the prose. When I first read the Riddle in the Sands, I had to look up Kedge and Kedging in the OED. In seconds, I had on my screen just the kind of list I like. Ketchel, Ketchin, Kekel, Keksi, ketta, Kedge, kedge anchor, Kedger, Kedging, Hedgeway, and immediately wrote a short poem bouncing phrases off these K's. k k kady sang the Tommies and the sailors shipped to foreign ports. The poem is set mostly in World War I. The phrases included some that find their way into the present longer poem when its poetics, as it were, is made plain. And those lines are, and this is all you'll hear of the long poem, What's the future of the future tense? What's propitious in the past? Passing through the present, Kedging's all you're good for. With a foot of water under you, the tide gone out, the fog so thick you can't see lights at Norderney. But enter history in spite of that. By, uh, and, and enter history in spite of that by sounding out its shallows uh, with an oar. It's something like the, uh, the, the poetics uh, for the, uh, the longer poem. The shorter poem uh, up front uh, is just called Kedging, and it has a couple of um, uh, numerals in it. Uh, the, uh, the four and the five and the six are Arabic numerals, um, which turns out to be fairly important later on. Kedgings, all your good for, someone said, is what your good and for it, not to fear, oh, all your goods so far, your good four, your goods five and six, with a little tug at warp, so by a hawser, wind your head about, thirty-nine among the sands, your steps or Riddle there who may have sailed the old Is old now old and addled Angling still for some good luck So labor lad when other moiety of men Tugging hard at Kedge and hawser, Drew from us the sand Brisk and lively in the dialect East Anglian Ain't so well as I was yesterday For I was then quite Kedge even though I pull and pull and persevere, I'm blown to windward, winding still, warping so as not to weep, caging as I can. The section title of the um, twenty or so short poems in the in the beginning of the book is uh, is post post anecdotal. <clears throat> And uh, I I never could uh, manage to be uh, post-anything to my satisfaction when uh, suddenly everybody had to be uh, post-this or that, and I felt rather desperate. (laughs) Posthumous seemed a possibility. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Post-adolescent... James, James Wright used to say he has in a, in a poem that uh, he, he wanted to write the poetry of a grown-up man, and I always thought, I'd, I'd really rather write the poetry of a arrested adolescent my, uh, myself." And, and, and I fear I' do that uh, in here um, uh, from time to time. Um, the post anecdotal poems are just anecdotal <laughs> poems. Um, to sound even a little bit sillier, there's a uh, there's an epigraph to this section attributed to uh, Will Kemp, the uh, uh, Shakespearean actor. Cannot you stay until I eat my porridge? What? Why yes, <laughs> do do by all means, uh, stay until I eat my porridge. Anyway, the uh, first poem in post anecdotal is uh, is post anecdotal. Which uh, has to do with trying to remember. I'm sure you've all done this: tried to remember the first thing in your life that was conscious, and it doesn't. It doesn't work very well. Um, I mean, Proust was right about that. It's the involuntary uh, memory that uh, comes out of uh, somewhere—your Madeleine and tea, or some other sense experience—and uh, uh, knocks you down. Uh, But it's also interesting to keep thinking back, and this this is thinking back consciously. And then what? Then I thought of what I first remembered, underneath some porch with Gide. Oh, not with Gide, but after years and years, I read that he remembered what he first remembered, and it was that. Not this. Someone calling me. Johnny, Johnny. I was angry, hid. It was humid summer evening. I hid there sweating in the bushes as the dark came down. I could smell the DDT they'd sprayed that afternoon. It hung there in the air. But so did the mosquitoes that it hadn't killed Johnny. Oh, I'd not go back at all. I'd slam the door on everyone. I'm going to read this a little uh, earlier than I'd planned to because I know Bob has to go uh, teach a uh, a class, and um, uh, we, uh, when we were living in uh, in in Cambridge uh, together, had a. Uh, um, uh, a great friend in, in common, a, a Swedish um, poet and critic and uh, thinker and teacher in Cambridge, uh, called Urian uh, Prince Paulson, and uh, he was a, a dear, dear man and uh, uh, helpful in, in many ways to uh, uh, to both of uh, of us. And th- this is not quite an, an analogy because he was still living when the uh, the poem was written, but he he wasn't going to uh, <coughs> to live very long. The uh, Swedish uh, words in in the poem mostly come from uh, Ingmar Bergman's uh, Wild Strawberries, which in in Swedish is smolstromtalet, as best as I can pronounce it. Uh, a smoltron is uh, a wild strawberry. A jordguba is a, an ordinary uh, strawberry, and uh, a jubeldoctor is uh, an honorary uh, degree. Uh, do, you, do you all know wild wild strawberries? Do people still see that that great uh, Bergman film? If uh, if you don't, uh, you you certainly must uh, at, at least uh, by the by the weekend. Max von van, van Sydow uh, is in it in, in a in a small part. Uh, oddly, he's a, f- a filling station uh, attendant uh, rather than a, a, a knight returning from uh, medieval wars, as he is in the uh, in the Seventh Seal. Uh, but uh, Max von Sydow uh, liked Euron's poems and uh, used to give uh, private private readings uh, of them to uh, select audiences. So. Uh, the poem is in and out of that movie and in and out of um, my experiences with uh, Joran, both as a friend and a collaborator. We co-translated a lot of uh, Swedish poetry. <clears throat> Small Stalet. And someone saying, yes, but Joran doesn't really speak good Swedish. I looked up, perplexed. Scanian, he declared. He's from the south. As all of us, Dr. Isak Borg and Marianne, Sarah Anders and Victor, Susan John and G. Prince Paulson, headed down to Malmo and to Lund. Smoltron's not the same as Jordbugja, said a man in dark glasses sitting right behind us in the Lane Avenue Park Cinema, Columbus, 1959. A headless clock, a coffin falling from the hearse, and top-hatted ancients walking to their doctor honors, Borg having dreamed his way from Stockholm Sarah, both his lost love and late fifties girl, just like my Susan, flirting with the guys in the back seat, chewing on her pipe. What did I know then of time, of memory, of age? And who would watch a movie wearing heavy shades? We looked behind us and he nodded in a formal way. you on ten years my senior was writing poems in Malmo that von Sydow liked to read, Max as he called him, who spoke his Swedish very well, whether as a knight in the seventh seal or there before us pumping gas in Smoltstronstalet. Or when reading Euron's poems to a little group of connoisseurs but Max doesn't get it when the doctor says mostly to himself, perhaps I should have stayed. We didn't get it either, though we stayed right through the film, trying very hard. In 20 years, I'd introduced my friend from Scania to my Midwest as Dr. Prince Paulson, poet. A colleague thought that Euron was a royal and called him Prince Oh, and you're on hated Bergman films. All that religious angst which everybody asked about, even though his lecture was on Strindberg. So much for the 80s. In 1959, B.B. Anderson was 22, only three years older than my girlfriend. I thought how much I'd like to sleep with her, The man in sunglasses put his head between us and said, place of wild strawberries. The English doesn't get it. The car drove on. Years after Euron got his own degree in Lund, his head literally beloreled, little girls in white throwing flower petals in his path. He fell all humpty-dumpty down a flight of stairs, and broke his crown on the cement and lost his sight and pushed aside his book and rests in silence in a Malmo nursing home. With whom share a joke, a plate of herrings, bog myrtle schnapps. The nightmare examiner had said, you are guilty of guilt when Isaac Borg misdiagnosed his patient, saying, she is dead. You are incompetent, concluded the examiner. And all of us got back into the car and headed south. Borg and Marianne, Sarah, Anders, Victor, Susan, John, and Euron. And the man with heavy shades. The summer sun is blinding even in the night. Smolt stallet. Wherever we were from, we couldn't stay. This is or was um, the uh, anthology that everybody in my generation uh, grew up with, um, Oscar Williams' Pocketbook of, uh, of Modern Verse. And um, <clears throat> I had one of those um, uh, Harvard book bags that nobody carries uh, any uh, anymore since backpacks came along and uh, other uh, what, what did they call them ac- accessories yes ac- accessories my Harvard book bag was hardly an accessory and I also had a uh, a motor scooter um, uh, and um, rode up and down. Uh, during the rainy season, from Mountain View to uh, uh, to Stanford, and I think I was wet for about uh, four four months. Anyway, the the um, uh, the Harvard book bag was tied onto the uh, fu- fuselage of uh, this contraption, and it it fell off on El Camino Real, and I dragged it uh, you know most of the way uh, up to to Stanford. So th- that's why it has this uh, sanded uh, look <laughs> to it. So the the first third of the book or so is uh, uh, is sanded, um, which, which makes it again you know, very postmodern. Uh, you <laughs> you read yeah, bits of Walt Whitman on on either side of the page, but but not in <clears throat> not in the middle. <clears throat> um, the poem is uh, is called uh, oscar and uh, there's an elliptical allusion of course to the to the movie oscars and uh, right away i i mention uh, don allen and don hall the next generation of uh, a- anthologists and the uh, the battle of um, uh, of the anthologies the new american poetry anthology and uh, new poets of, uh, of england and of uh, and america uh, after which not much was, uh, was heard of, uh, of Oscar, Oscar Williams. Anyway, um, Oscar. Not the movies, poems. And before the days of Don's Allen and Hall. Oscar Williams, pocket paper books of modern verse. Also Little Treasuries, also mentors and revised the Palgrave. Held now in contempt or just forgotten, pocket modern was the Bible of my teenage faith. More than 500 great modern poems bulged in my pocket like a wallet stuffed with cash. There was the Genesis, Emily, Walt, There was the exodus, poets still in their prime. Those summers I worked for minimum wage at the state auditor's office, Columbus. I loved best what I least understood. My blood pulsed pizzicati when I smuggled lines of Wallace Stevens in reports I typed. Entirely by the numbers, Ohio's new electric royal hopped to dollars and cents in the tables I prepared, tabs jolting me over the page, tens and twenties and thirties of things, hundreds and thousands and millions. If money was a kind of poetry, was poetry a kind of money too? 2,384,958 A violent order is disorder plus 3,179,265 A great disorder is an order. These two things are one. No superior collecting my reports seemed to notice a thing. So I kept it up all summer long. Stephen's Oscars bled into the numbers, then took over like a sense of sleight of hand, like tootings at the weddings of the soul. Poolside and lakeside, myself I sang for Susan, where in slim adolescence she did all but strip as Yeats's music fell from Pan's disco's Delphic Oracle, and we saw goathead, breast, bikinied bottom in the pages of a book dedicated 1954 to the memory of Dylan Thomas, major poet, great man, immortal soul. Thirty pages of The Great Man. 15 pages of George Barker, 10 of Oscar himself, one by the other Williams, W.C., <laughs> none by T.S.E., who offered none, thinking I discovered later that my much-revered anthologist was self-serving. <laughs> Vain. In what vein was Auden's Pray for Me and for All Poets Living and Dead?, for there is no end to the vanity of our calling. I skipped that at the time and flew with hawk and helmeted airmen, beckon your chosen out. The chosen still included Masters and Bridges, Maysfield, Lindsay, Wiley, Whaley, Houseman, Muir, Millay, and Frederick Mortimer Clapp. By the time I'd sanded 50 pages like a deep valley cut through mountains when my Harvard book bag tied onto the luggage rack of the motorbike I rode those days, fell and was dragged half the distance from Mountain View to Stanford, many an Oscar was maimed. (laughs) Find also in the Sow Ot hearing it by sea, sea, the sea, was, Earth's shore. Even Matthew Arnold still was modern. Dover Beach and Oscar, there between the Civil War of Melville and Mikado's song. The last poems unsanded were intact. The last line with a confident finality, declares, "The page is printed." Po- poem by Ted Hughes, who was the uh, youngest poet in the uh, in the anthology. Do I have time for a short one, to to conclude? <clears throat> this is uh, uh, an elegy written for a student of uh, of mine. <clears throat> Who uh, went back uh, from, uh, uh, from the the Midwest to South Africa, where her her parents uh, had had worked in the uh, nationalist cause for a long time, and uh, in a terrible irony, <clears throat> she was murdered uh, on the very day that uh, Nelson Mandela uh, won the the election. So it's called uh, Persistent Elegy, and in parentheses underneath that, shortly before the 1994 South African election, my former student, Claire Stewart, was murdered in KwaZulu, probably by an Inkatha hit squad. Uh, what one remembers uh, when uh, uh, Claire was a student is that um, she was uh, very keen and very knowledgeable, and she always had her hand up in the air. <clears throat> and now, at last, Nelson Mandela's is elected. But what of my student, Claire? Would she have danced as she had expected? They don't even number the dead in Rwanda. She raises her hand in the air. What did she do in KwaZulu to anger in Katha? She sits in my class long ago taking notes. This is my student, Claire. Volunteers have busily counted the votes. She wakes to the voices of children Her daughters among them there. What did she do in KwaZulu to anger in Katha? No volunteers can describe what nobody sees. She leaves a note in the mission. She walks by the lake, the flowering trees. Observers say the election is fair. She gets in a pickup. Drives from the village. She raises her hand in the air. She tries to answer the question. What did you do in KwaZulu to anger in Katha? What is the answer, Claire? They don't even number the dead in Rwanda. Nobody's counting there. But what did she do in KwaZulu to anger in Katha? She raises her hand in the air, and now at last Nelson Mandela is elected. What of my student, Claire? She never arrives where she is expected. Everyone's weeping there. What did she do in KwaZulu to anger in Katha? What of my student? What of my student, Claire? You've been listening to a podcast from University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at www.uctv.tv. Thank you for listening.